Boom. And we are live with another episode of the Brown Water Banter Podcast. My name is Jared Seymour. My name is Joey Case. That's right. And we have a great show for you this evening, man. Said it right this time. Uh, we got Mark Havard in the uh, in the studio here from Two Crackers Oyster Company. That's it. I nailed it, dude. That's I nailed it. it. I'm so proud of myself. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, all the things about uh, raising farming, farming oysters. I'm going to say it right. Yeah, farming uh, oysters. We were talking before we went live. We had Joey. It was about a year ago now, which is scary. Um Arguelles, Mike. Mr. Mike, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Mike on the show. Uh, so we've kind of covered this topic uh, before, but I think we've got some cool new stuff to update and, and talk about uh, once we jump into it. So it's going to be a fun time. Everybody stay tuned. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to jump into the people who help us uh, keep the show rolling, man. That's right, our sponsors, the sponsors of the show. First one, right out the gate, Dr. Robbie Williams, right over here at Southern Magnolia Smiles, uh, located in Ocean Springs on Washington Avenue. Uh, keep your mouth clean is all we need to say, man. He's he's put has great advice. Just for put, life. keep your mouth clean, man. That's a great advice, exactly for life. And uh, when you're ready to start doing that, uh, give him a shout. Uh, he's on Facebook and Instagram at Southern Magnolia Smiles. You can check him out. Here's a picture of him and his friendly staff, the team that he's put together. Uh, or give him a call at two two eight two one five one two zero two and make that appointment, man. So uh, next up, right out of the gate here, Jesse Hill and his team over at Hilltree Marketing. Go check them out at HilltreeMarketing.com if you need a website built for any reason. They are the, your uh, one-stop local shop. He can do photography, uh, videography, aerial drone cinematography. He's the total package, and he's all local, which is a, means a lot. Uh, rather than having to deal with somebody over the phone that you're never going to meet, he can put it together for you and take your business or really whatever you're doing to the next level and make you have that like real strong presence online. It's very important if you've never noticed before. Uh, go check out anybody that you've heard of brand-wise that you dig. They probably got a really good website. So step your game up, HilltreeMarketing.com. Send a message. Tell them you heard about him here on the Brownwater Banter Podcast or jump over to BrownwaterBanter.com. And uh, look what he did for us because we're super proud. Because we won an award, <laughs> right. two of them actually. Uh, our buddy Rocky over at Cedar Swamp Man, Gauthier Van Cleve Exit. Uh, if you're looking for apparel, local stuff, man. He's got rods, reels, uh, tackle, uh, uh, outdoor gear. He's got. Uh, I think he's still got fish in the South hats. We're trying to get rid of those. Trying to get him to get rid of those <laughs> out of the store. Uh, but he is also selling Brownwater Banter hats too. So that's kind of cool as well. Uh, go check him out. He's on Facebook. See the number two Swamp. Uh, check him out, and uh, if you're over there, go Shea Van Cleve Road. Go check. Uh, go stop by. Yeah, store. he's got some hunting stuff too. Hunting season right around the corner. Already yep. started bow season. So if you look, I think he's got uh, some tree stands and stuff like that. Yep. So go check that out as well. I love it. And uh, next, uh, we got Calvin Taylor. He's uh, running for circuit judge. Uh, the midterm elections are going to be November the eighth. We've talked about it on the show a bunch. Super important, and uh, we're glad to have Calvin be a supporter of the show. And uh, so when you see his name on the ballot, 30 years of service, 30 years of experience right here, uh, started out in Pascagoula. Uh, he's about, what, two episodes back, I think, Joey. Yeah. You can listen to uh, his whole story there. Yeah, we did an episode with him. Scroll down the uh, the playlist there and, and go check it out. It was a great show. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. He knows what he's doing, and he's rooted here in the community. We highly recommend Calvin Taylor for circuit uh, judge uh, running for Jackson, Green, and George. There it is. Oh, man, I'm like a Two for now. two. You I know. It. It's unbelievable how good I'm going to get. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll have it nailed by the uh, November the 8th. So, uh, and then this weekend, big news, man. We're yeah, super Yeah, we're going to be out there Friday ready. night. That's it. I can't. The bu I'm clicking, but it's not. What's going on here? Are we all the way froze? Are we even still alive? I don't know. Let's see. The flyer's not coming up. Let me try this. Nope. Everything's frozen. There it went. Love it. It's not a real internet show until something freezes technology-wise on you. 
Uh, if you don't have a story, you don't really do one. So uh, the fourth annual downtown barbecue throwdown putting on by the uh, Pascagoula Men's Club. We've also recently done an episode with them that turned out really cool. Uh, so go check that out. Promoting this. Yep, we're flashing now. It's just a whole total meltdown. Uh, October 22nd, that's this Saturday, downtown Pascagoula, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., free to the public, live music. What it is is there's a barbecue competition. They got two categories, the pros and the Joes. <laughs> I, that's not what they called it. I think it was the amateurs. But yeah. it's uh, it's it's going to be a fun time, man. Go down there. Check out all the people uh, competing for the prizes. And uh, if you want to sample the food, it's $15 for an all-you-can-eat wristband. It's really cool, and uh, you're not going to regret it. So uh, that's this Saturday, downtown Pascagoula. Nailed it. All right. I think I, or you saw it on your phone. Are we still live? It's, I'm getting I just the, got off the internet. Yeah, I'm getting the internet signal over here, and that's kind of frustrating because uh, it says we got good internets. And uh, I'm going to check it one more time. This has happened before on the show. This is nothing new, um, but usually it doesn't. Let's see. Uh, anybody in the comment section below could let us know that uh, we're rolling okay, and we'd appreciate that. I, it's, I think we're live. I know we are. I just hope it's not like glitching crazy. So, um, Sparklight, let's get it together. Help us out here. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, but let's jump into it, man. We're gonna we're just gonna keep keep rolling. Um, so, where do we start? Where do we start? History, history. Okay. Like where, how did you get your start in this? First of all, introduce yourself and tell us where you were at. Yeah. So I'm Mark Havard. Uh, we own Two Crackers Orchard Company. It's a family-run business. I uh, couldn't do it by myself for sure. Uh, originally from George County. I lived on the coast probably for 22 years. Happily married to a girl from Ocean Springs. Oh, I yeah, got, so I, you're poor like me. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, but it's all good. We have two boys that we raise salty, salty. We raised them in the water. If we couldn't raise them in the country, I wanted to raise them on the water. So we were blessed enough to be able to do that here in Van Cleve. Right. Uh, I was in the corporate world for about 13 years. Well, actually, probably in the corporate world for more like uh, 20 years. And then my last gig was for about 13 years. I realized that there's more to life. wanted to find a little time in my life. So I uh, ran from that about a little over a year and a half ago. And I knew that I wanted to raise oysters one day a week and do consulting the rest of the time. And it's worked out beautifully. And uh, so I'm doing oysters one day a week, Fridays. And uh, that's how Two Crackers Oyster Company came about is uh, we wanted to do something as a family. We loved being in the water. I loved being in the water with the boys. I kept them in a boat their whole lives. Right. I mean, it taught them how to catch brim from Bluff Creek at our pier all the way to catching grouper on the shelf. You know what I mean? Those boys have learned how to fish from got some salt in their veins. They got some salt in their vein. You know, I hope that it'll stay there forever. Um, and I've had a captive in a boat for a long time and want to continue to do that. And then this came across, I sit on the CMR for uh, about five years and we kept on getting presentations about this off-bottom aquaculture right. and i was like what fancy the, yeah i was like what fancy. in the world is that oysters you know i don't know a whole lot about oysters other than i like to eat them just about any way you can cook them right and um yeah so typically i can shoot holes in just about any business idea uh, but this one you know kind of struck a chord with me i was like you know you know i had the boys with me we would do it and my wife from time to time not often but from time to time she does come with us and uh, i was like we can maybe create a business on the water. I was like, it'll be fun. The demand's there. You know, they can't, the oyster, I guess the farming operation of oyster and the natural resource that we have can't keep up with the demand worldwide with oysters. You know, everybody loves them that much. Yeah. So I was like, you know, this is something that'll last a long time. We get out there and learn the whole cycle of life and get, and it'll force us to go out on the water once a week, whether we want to or not. 
And at that time we started, That's a good thing. it yeah, is really. a good thing, man. At yeah. that time we were going out in the water two and three days a week from our house anyway. So it was like, you know, just fishing or messing around, whatever right. we were doing. So I was like, man, this will give us reason to go get in the salt water once a week. And uh, I had that special time with the kids. And uh, so that's kind of where we started. You know, we heard about it presentation-wise over and over, and I'm like, let's do it. So we went to sit through this class that's offered from the DMR, the Department yep. of Marine Resources, that I'm sure that you guys have heard about before. It's a year-long class. It takes about eight or nine Saturdays out of the year. Yeah, and, and this was open to the public. It Anybody, was, any Joe Smo off the street could go do that. Any Joe yeah. Smo that wanted to work, because anything to do with oysters is work. It, oh, there's, yeah. there's nothing. I knew that word was going to come up at some point. I'm glad you said it because that's all I think about when I hear like raising or yeah. farming oysters, man. Well, it, real. Anything with farming in it is work. Yeah. Farming is work. There's yes. no doubt. And when you're raising rocks, you know, that means it's heavy work. So, uh, so after a presentation, I was like, you know, I'm going I'm to look into this a little bit further. So we sit through the classes, did our thing. You got to be, I think you got to be 21, maybe 18 at least to go sit through this class. We got caught by the COVID epidemic. So our classes were kind of cut short. So we had to learn a lot of this stuff on our own. Right. But, you know, they were always a phone call away. So we could call and ask questions, whatever the case is. So we raised a bunch of oysters. We probably raised, I think they probably gave us 8,000 oysters, gave us the cages, gave us the gear to let us use for a year. And let us raise a batch of oysters and see if it's something we wanted to do. You know, if we wanted to continue on our own and lease property and, right, and buy right, our own right. gear and all that good jazz. And after we went through for a year, I was like, man, this is all right. You know, I yeah. learned that it beats up a boat really fast. Oh, so yeah, don't, you better have an aluminum boat. <laughs> well, it's an aluminum <laughs> boat or an old fiberglass boat. Yeah. You know, we started out, when we first got into it, I, was, I brought my small Carolina skiff out there. That's, that's a color, you know, it's a nice little river boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took about one time to go out there before it hit a couple barnacles and it was over at that point but big old gashes down the yeah. side and i said we've got to come up with a different vessel to yeah. start with yeah so we took a plunge i was like you know you know i'm just a country boy that knows his way around a boat pretty well so i got to thinking about it. you need a lot of deck space yeah. right so i was like party barge is the way to go I've absolutely ne- i've never had a party barge before didn't know anything about them but i knew they were cheap and I could get a lot of deck yeah. space. And if you tear it up, you just got to put the pontoons, reload the pontoons, and throw <laughs> it back in the water. That's right. That's right. So what we did, we found an old cheap pontoon boat that had a decent engine on the back. We took all the furniture off the front. So we had this big platform to work with. I mean, it was definitely uh, transom heavy. It was bow light. So we had to put a cooler in the front just to get yeah. the thing running yeah, flat. And uh, we realized real quick when you're working about two feet off of the water, not a good feet, idea. Not a good idea. I was thinking that when you said the pontoon, but I'm like, oh, your know. wife said we're glitching. Yeah, I can tell because it's still. I I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's the internet for for whatever reason. Well, the audio is going to be fine, uh, but the but the video is clipping. So uh, the only thing we could possibly do is shut it down and restart it. But I don't see how that's going to help anything. Uh, no. No. Yeah, it's the internet right now. It's spark light screwing us. Well, what a spark light piece of junk. Yeah. Uh hmm. I don't know. We could we could just keep going. And right. the audio is gonna be fine. Uh it's just the video that we're gonna have to worry with. That's it. You good with yeah. that? I'm good with it, yeah, guys. Okay. I mean audio is probably better yeah, in my case it, anyway. It, it yeah. really is. You it got really face is. for radio like us? <laughs> well, it's exactly right. It's kind of why I wear a beard. You know, it hides the yeah, ugly, right? right. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it works out so good. So was this a grant after BP or something? How did this whole 
uh, what you said, bottom dwelling. The off-bottom Joey was going to butcher yeah. that. Sure. It's, it's yeah. kind of like the George Green Jackson thing. You know, it's just hard to get up. It's a yeah. mouthful. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was part of a grant process. I don't know what grant funded it. But, uh, we, you know, we used to be one of the largest oyster producers in the country at one point in time. Right. You know, I, I've seen old pictures where there's just mountains of oyster yeah. shells all like, up and down the my coast. My grandpa had one at the Beau Rivage. Yeah. Right in front of the Beau Rivage, there used to be just mounds and mounds of oyster shells. And they paved roads with them. They right. did all kinds of stuff with these oyster shells. But they didn't realize that the shells needed to go back. I mean, it was a resource that it takes years for it to replenish. So, you know, we did what humans do. Hey, a little bit's good. That means a lot's better. Better. Yeah. So we kept on and on and on. And now we've got our reefs down to a standpoint. A oyster reef is very similar to a house foundation. You know, once you get that foundation, that that concrete, once it goes away, you don't have anything that'll stick. It just falls in the mud. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happened is we plowed our reefs up harvesting oysters so much that all we have is mud left. So that's where all these grants has been coming along for years and years to try to get that foundation back. And that way when the oysters, you know, the, the big-eyed larvae is what they're called when they first get spawned. It's called big-eyed larvae. And under a microscope, it really looks like a little microscopic dot with an eyelash yeah. sideways. So this once this eyelash gets produced out there, it finds something to stick to. And if there's not a rock or some kind of culture material out there for it to stick to, it's all buried in the mud. It just keeps on going down the ocean stream. Until it sticks to something. Until it sticks to something, you yeah. know. And uh, our fish eat them or, or get filter feeders, eat them, whatever yeah. happens, you know. So uh, so that's where they come up with this off-bottom aquaculture. And they're like, you know, if we could spawn these things in captivity and then create little, little oyster seed is what they're called. And they're rated by R1s all the way to R19s. And it's just size, yeah. you know, and uh, they raise them up to about R2s. And at that point, they start selling these things and they're selling them as seed. And you get and all, these things are like as big as your pinky, right? Yeah, we not start even that much. They're not even that much, yeah, man. We yeah. start off, we buy R2s to r four, sometimes R6s. R2s are much smaller than a pencil eraser. R4s are about a pencil eraser size. And R6s are about pinky nail size. It's just your average pinky nail. Um, so you buy these things in a bag and you start off putting them in a small mesh bag. And then at that point, they, you put them out today, you go back next week, they've almost doubled in, yeah. in size. So it's like, wait a minute, that one bag that they were all in, uh, I got to put them in another bag. So I can, in in this Yeti cup here, this two crackers oyster company Yeti cup. There we go. Nice. That's, that's right. So I could put about 15,000 oysters in this cup when I buy wow. So it's like, wait a minute, they're too small. I don't know how in the world I'm keep track of them. You know yeah. what I mean? But, how fragile are they? About what's the yield out of if you get ten thousand? Do you usually get ten thousand oysters, or do you know the math on that? Yeah. So in my opinion, I'm not. I'm good at books during the week, but on Fridays, I don't want to think about numbers <laughs> at all. It's kind of like the guy that cuts grass. You know, his yeah. yard always. Yeah, not yeah. always the best right, yard right, of the right, month. Right, you right. know what I mean? So that's me. I don't want to think about numbers. And I know that I can't prevent these things from dying. So, really, what's the point in keeping an exact figure? Yeah, you're, I'm just saying, that, do you got to handle them a certain way? You can't. I'm guessing you can't throw them on the side of the boat. You can't. Yeah. So these water small ones, when they small, when they're small like that, their shells are soft, of course, because they're real thin. They're paper thin at right. that point. And then when they start getting about quarter size, at that point, they get a little thickness to their shell. So you can start being a little rougher with them. Right. 
But uh, yeah, they uh, start off they're real fragile. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. fragile, as they say. Yeah, right? I, I like what you said earlier though about it, about the erosion. You know, when the oyster reefs are gone because they've been over harvested, and we've all seen the photos uh, from like, like the forties, fifties, maybe even so far into the sixties, where it's just massive wow. mounds of oyster shells. People didn't think back then, you know, with the conservation mindset because it was all new as far as the ability to get out there and harvest that many, right? Because prior to that, they were using. Uh, schooners right to get out there then you get the outboard motor and more and more people can go out there and do it Uh, but it really does affect the coastline when you remove it so I guess my point is it's not just fun they're not just fun to eat they play a vital role uh, in the in the waterways around here uh, for not only erosion but also too for filtration right filtration so each mature oyster one mature oyster can filter up to 55 gallons of water a day that's crazy so if you think about a 55 gallon drum one little oyster filters that much every day. And just because crackers and horseradish sauce and, hot and, sauce. and cocktail <laughs> sauce just so happen to mix well with those yeah, little bastards, we've, we've lost them. a ton of them. That, yeah. we have. It's just an environmental issue because they taste so good. Yeah, that's exactly right. It used to be called the poor man's food, but then all the poor men, we just kept on growing and growing and we the rich people fig- they figured out i was like are these people on something what's yeah, going on here that's yeah, right yeah, i want to be right. poor too yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, i know what we'll do jack the price up on them and then you got to be rich to eat them that's right that's exactly problem right. solved so you know that with all the grants and different things the culture material is getting put out there hopefully it'll help rebu- rebuild our resource that we have out yeah. there uh, but there's no guarantee it'll never we're raising a different oyster than they're raising in the wild anyway we're raising the same type. It's a diploid oyster. So uh, it has two chromosomes, one on each side, and it can reproduce. It's the same oyster that grows in the wild, uh, literally. Okay. So it takes about three years for the wild oyster to get to a mature size because so many of them get eaten by drills, oyster drills. They get eaten by crabs, uh-huh. different things. So much loss, you know right. what I mean? So they have to grow a thick shell in order to survive. So, um, so that's where we play a part we're growing these things out even from 12 to 14 months the same oyster same seed we're just growing them in a protective bag in a floating cage we right. we use what they call a condo they call a condo in different places this is a six pack is basically what it is six bags can fit in a cage it's floating on a big line that we have right. it's about it almost hun- looks like a, a a crawfish bag if it, you've never seen it very similar very yeah. similar it, so if they're a little you know i guess a little more formed right they're a little rectangle if i remember right when we talked with mr mike about this the last time y'all can even adjust the the level of the water column that they're in to help them eat better or did they feed off something different than they do naturally i'm trying to remember that episode no, so that so the most nutrient-rich water column from my understanding is the top part of the water okay so you want to keep them up closer to the top of the water column because that's where all the nutrients are okay. not all of them that's where the majority of the nutrients are i just remembered him saying something about the fact that y'all do grow them quicker than what they would be yeah. in the wild and there was a reason for that what, the, and that's because in that top column, so, so of you water. can keep them there. Yep, rather keep than them there. Na- nature pulling them down and getting to a low. Okay, that's exactly right. Yeah. And plus, all these drills and different things. You know, they can't swim, but somehow they still get in our bags at the top. I don't know if they crawl up <laughs> these ropes or what they do, but magic. Somehow yeah, they, they still get it. in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And something I didn't know is blue crabs and stone crabs. We have a large population of stone crabs in our waters right here. Yeah. Right here. And I had no idea that that was the case. I thought stone crabs only existed in Florida yeah. in large populations. But we don't see a lot of big stone crabs here, at least in our oyster equipment. Mm-hmm. But if a stone crab gets in there and he gets anywhere over two inches long, he will eat oysters until his belly's full. Just like you were talking about. Really? You know, we don't know when to quit. 
You know what I mean? It, and so that's the reason you got to go through these bags and these cages on a regular basis to get rid of the crabs. Yeah. And, and the crabs grow really fast, whether it's blue or stone crab. They grow really fast. And the I, I, only thing I can figure is they bite the beak off of the oyster. And then once they bite the beak off, they got a little hole to go in the front of it. Uh-huh. And they, they just, just stick that claw in there and rip the it off. How big do they have to be for them to be doing that? You know, from what we're seeing is anything over a two-inch crab, which is tip to tip on the shell. Okay. Is What re- about the oyster size? What, what size oysters are they going after? Th- th- they could go after any they size oyster. They don't care. Okay. And when you pull out one of these bags out of the cage, I mean, there might be literally 10,000 baby crabs that are like one inch long, like tiny crabs fall out of these bags. So, and if one stays in there longer than it's supposed to, it can't get out of the mesh. So, so he grows up. He and grows he's got a buffet. <laughs> yeah, really. He's got a buffet, right? Sounds like there. a great yeah. life for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? So uh so what you want to do is get those larger crabs out of there really fast, as right. fast as you can before they just eat all of your so they, Yeah, they've already figured it out. They already realize what's going on down yeah. there, right? And they're like they're like breeding down there and this it's a food source for them, right? It is. Look, there's shrimp, there's fish, there's mangrove snapper that we find in our bags. And uh, all the time, different kinds of fish, and so it's a it's a reef basically. It's a yeah, floating yeah. reef with all kind of aquatic life. Yeah. So they they've uh, hit the jackpot when they've left yeah. in a cage. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Is there any other predators besides that? Because I know when we run crab traps and stuff all the time, we run up piers. You always got to deal with otters getting in there, getting your bait. You always got to deal with. Do they you ever have that problem? Nutrients, otters, something. No, ripping them open. Where the farm is located on the south side of Deer Island, it's about an eight hundred acre aquaculture park. Yeah. So we don't have an otter problem. Our biggest uh, threat, I think, is hurricanes yeah. and um, and crabs. I mean, that's our biggest threat. And one time we had the Bonnie Carey open with yep. water. Fresh water. Yeah. Fresh water. It killed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but hopefully they've resolved that issue. And that's a whole other issue that we're not going to get into. So it sounds tonight, like we need to start putting our crab traps right in front of the oyster. Well, that's pond. what I was just thinking, too. It's like, <laughs> should, we, should we be snapper fishing over there, too? Or like, what, is, the, it, is the speckle trout yeah. into that? What, what, it, let me know. Yeah, I don't know. But the mangrove snappers, they're like eight inches long. So we always try to be very gentle with them yeah. and yeah. let them go. Because mangroves are really good to eat, Absolutely. as we all know. And uh, so we try to let them grow. Now, I can tell you there's some sheephead around there from time to time. I know you guys get into yeah. sheephead. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, yeah, with the tournament that we call it catch a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give any secrets out, though. Well, you know, it's legal for anybody to fish around our our uh, crab, or not our crab traps, our oyster farm. Right. You can fish in between them. That's part of the our regulation is we have to leave enough room between our rows of oyster cages for navigable area for boats to go in and out. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, so we have to. So okay. that, that's part of the requirement. So you guys are welcome to fish around anything. If a hook gets hung in our rope, please just cut the line. You know, okay. don't try to cut our rope and all that stuff because that's some people's livelihood. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we spend a lot of time more than money out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And time is of your opinion and what, how valuable it is. It's worth more than that hook. It, it is, man. It is. And, um, but yeah, they do hold fish. You know, this year I did see a few triple tail out there. Mm-hmm. They were all small triple tail. I look for big ones. I typically try to bring a fishing pole with me when I go. Smart man. Uh, but a lot of times, like once I get involved in doing the oysters and it's sorting work. them and all that stuff, it's like I forget all about fishing. And then on the way home, it's like, man, why didn't I stop ten minutes and fish? You yeah. know, they just you're tired. Time. That's why. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Because I just went to work for twelve hours. <laughs> that's exactly. Yeah. Right. What is that? What, speaking of that, how long does that usually take to harvest? What you have now? So let's let's start off with September, mid part of September. I opened up harvest for this year. Okay. And this is the first year that I've had any quantity of oysters other than about six or ten thousand to harvest. 
And I was like, you know, I'm just going to open the gates. We created a Facebook page just for the local local folks. Uh, they wouldn't let us have our Two Crackers Oyster Company on Facebook. They kept on rejecting the name. So we were like, okay. You can so, only imagine yeah, why. Yeah. I'll give you all one guess as to yeah. why. Yeah. So, so we backed up and punted. You know, we just put my wife and I's name on there. We've yeah. never been on social media before. You should have put Dose Crackers. I, I could have tri- <laughs> tried that. Yep, That would have worked. Yeah, yep. I don't know. I, I don't know. But it, but it, it – wouldn't let us on there. So we just put it on our personal name. And uh, like I said, we're not Facebookers by any right. stretch of the imagination. But we do get it out there for marketing purposes. Cause, well, that's yeah, you we, have to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's who we sell to. We sell to local folks. We don't sell to restaurants by, by design at okay. this point. Um, I want to sell to the people that are from here that like to eat oysters on the weekend, on the grill, or raw, or whatever the case is. Because... Really, I don't know any other place that you can get Mississippi oysters uh, locally. Other than Deer Island. Other than Deer Island. You know, there's a few farmers out there that sell to the public, but most of them go after the money. And the money's more selling to restaurants or sending them up the East Coast to these white tablecloth places. And that's just not me, man. I like to hear, I like the peddling part just as much as I like the growing part. I like that. Because most of the time we like to shoot the breeze a little bit. And then you end up on a podcast. End up on a podcast. That's (laughs) how we did. Joey bought some oysters for me. And he's like, hey, man, would you want to get on a podcast? I'm like, I don't know anything about a podcast. Is that how that happened? I don't think I need it. Yeah, yeah. I went went and bought them oysters for the uh uh, uh, it was a the barbecue that we did or the cook that we did at Lee Torch House. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey man, uh, you want to come on a show and talk about? It? Yeah, man, let's do it. I was <laughs> like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> How'd you hear about him? <laughs> uh, somebody shared it out. I can't remember who shared it out. Something on Facebook though, I'm sure. Yeah, it was on Facebook. Okay. And somebody shared it out, and I was like, let me call this guy. And I was like, I th- actually I texted him. I was like, hey man, I need to get what you, whatever you sell him, man. What you sell him? Yeah. Man? So we sell him two quantities. We sell fifty count sacks or hundred yeah. count. Sacks. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Bought a I, I bought a uh, hundred count sack, brought him over to Lee Torch, and we shucked him and ate barbecue and all that stuff. It oh, was okay. it was great. And nice. When we were sitting at his house, we just I was just like, hey man, you know, I yeah. always do my pitch. Right. We run a podcast. Uh, you wouldn't want to come on and talk about it. And he was like, yeah, what's it all about? And I explained it, and that's that's why we're sitting here. Right I, don't, I didn't even realize that part of the story. Uh, my wife chimed in on the comments. She said you could possibly change it to two saltines oyster. <laughs> well, we could <laughs> or two. Premium yeah, or something, right? Premium, yeah. Well, yeah. no, because then premium might shut you down on the trade name. Isn't Jeez. that a trade name? I think of no, crackers, I right? Probably. I think, is, I think it is. Yeah. yeah, I think saltines is a generic. I think mm-hmm. you can get away with that. So, so, but, so it's just edgy enough that we're going to stay where we're at, right? And right, right. Uh, and we're selling to the local folks, and uh, it's been well received. Our oysters are quality oysters, and you think a hundred count sack, and when you come to buy these things, people are thinking I'm going to sell them in a burlap sack that's going to take both of us to load them in the back of the truck. No, they're not. And when they get there and they see this little small mesh bag that's a little bit bigger than a basketball, they're like, "Man, I just got screwed." Yes, you know. But once they start opening these things, they realize that we're not raising shell. We're not ah. raising. We're not selling them by the pound. That's right. We're, we're selling meat. We're raising meat. So you can fit a hundred oysters like that into it's about this big. Yeah, when you get the sack, which a normal sack of oysters that we're thinking about looks like a you know the it's big a burlap, burlap sack. But the most of the problem is, it's it if you get a sack, it's usually in we're going to go oyster terms here now. They're going to be clusters instead of singles. They're right. going to be clusters full of mud. They're going to have barnacles on them. They're going to have muscles right. on the but outside. What's the what's the number of? Do they even count them by that? No, they typically now they sell them by the weight. 
Right. So they're shown by the weight of the shell. You're right. supposed so to get that's it. That's what they're uh, weighing. Right. So, my grandpa always said you're supposed to get a gallon of oysters out of correct. a sack. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what, right. Yeah. That's right. And I bought a bunch of those $25 burlap sacks, and I love sitting on the tailgate opening those things. But now I don't think that that's even available in the burlap well, that sack. Well, that was another question I wanted to ask you. We touched on it a little bit ago. Is like outside of what y'all are doing, and I think you already said this, but is there can is there even any nat- natural places to go get oysters that is of any quality? quantity in mississippi no like yeah. here locally well, I, I, they, I think they opened up the tongan last year in ocean springs but i don't think anybody got anything i mean like you're talking maybe a sack yeah. maybe <laughs> at, at the most yeah i'm not confident I, i'm not sure if they opened that's it last bad. year i know the year before last yes they opened because like in 04 we harvested i'm gonna make these numbers up but they're pretty close you know maybe six hundred thousand sacks out of mississippi in 04. In 04. And those are natural. Those, those weren't are natural yeah, oysters. Yeah. Then after Katrina and our reefs have gotten to a point where they were just d- diminished. You yeah. Know, there just wasn't anything left. Well, that was the next thing. What, what was the lowest point in oysters on the Mississippi? Is that after Katrina? After Katrina. that And that's just a timeline. Right. It had yeah. nothing to do with Katrina. It was just a timeline. And after that, it just kept on down, down, That down. was fresh water. Everybody just getting as much. Because I remember – uh, I mean, we had oysters in the bay, and my grandpa was like, don't ever eat an oyster out of the bay. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff that's coming down the bay, don't ever eat it. And even the ones out front, we get them, we go flounder and kick them around. He's like, don't eat them, they're nasty. You know what I'm saying? Because it's all the dang chemicals and stuff that was running off the beach and everything else. It is. So the reason we can harvest and we can only grow oysters in this 800-acre aquaculture park is because this water is approved waters. Mm-hmm. It's tested on a regular basis to make sure there's no fecal matter or anything crazy out there. Uh, make sure it's good 55 gallons at each oyster's filtering. So, um, And that's the reason you can't just go harvest when you want to yeah. uh, from other places. And they'll shut y'all down. Like when the Bonnie uh, Carey, they'll just completely – Yes. yes. Ex- and you lost every all your farm. Yes. So if there's a big freshwater influx – um, they'll shut the farms down. They'll say, okay, guys, y'all cannot harvest. It's an official order. You cannot harvest. You can work your farms, but you cannot harvest any oysters out of your farm. What, what would happen in the Bonnie Carey example if you harvested? I, I don't see how that would be. They're just going to kill them, right? How, how would that make them toxic or unedible? Un- un- you know, so I'm not exactly sure on the science side yeah. of it, but I do know that when the the, the Bonnie Carey, a lot of that fertilizer came out oh, of the that, okay. I didn't yeah, think about yeah, that. Yeah. The contaminants it, that's it, in the water. That's yes, right. That makes yes. sense. So they do all kind of tests I was on just the water. strictly thinking of it from a perspective of freshwater versus well, you, salt. Even water, if they're right. dead, you don't want to sell dead oysters. Well, well, I was thinking like harvest it before it gets there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're right though. It's going to have all that spillway chemicals sure. and stuff in it. That makes sure. sense. Yeah. And you know, another thing, who wants to eat an oyster that's not salty? Not Correct. me. Correct. Not yeah. me. Well, and a lot of people, we worked at the at the Bodge and- they go to the pasteurized oysters, and if you ever had a pasteurized oysters, it tastes just like an oyster. If you if you put a grape in your mouth, that's what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah, There's no not, salt to it. Not good. It's just like ugh, like you spit out a loogie, and yeah. and people love them. I don't I don't understand it. It makes no sense. To that's because they've never had a good oyster, correct? Right. A good and, natural. And, and I made the joke earlier, but they're probably drowning it in horseradish and cocktail sauce. Yeah, it's exactly. not the one that you eat raw, it gag plain, and be like, wow, this is something. Here. That's exactly right. You know? and and a lot of times, you know, in the past, a lot of these natural harvested oysters, they'll harvest the oysters when they're small. And the harvesters, the processors don't have to pay a lot for them because there's, the meat's not very big. So what the, what the processors do is they put them in a bubble bath, like a salinity bath. 
basically is an aquarium bubbler in a saltwater. So it bubbles up their gills. It puts that salt water in their gills. So when you go buy them from the grocery, a lot of times you're getting this big whopper of yeah, moisture. Yeah, yeah. And then when you fry the thing, it turns to some little shriveled up little moisture. <laughs> because That's, he's full of air. He's full of air and water. Yeah. He has salt water. Yeah. And, but for the common person, they don't really care because they don't really know. Yeah. But when we harvest our oysters, you know, they're as big around as your thumb. You know, and it's meat, and it don't matter whether you fry it or do whatever. It's going to come out about the same size because it's meat. It's not water in the gills. Yeah. Do you? Well, that, that's, a, that's the thing I noticed when – I'm sorry. I didn't no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing I noticed when we got yours. They, they're usually about the size of a 50-cent piece, maybe around the 50-cent piece. And when you open it, the oyster covers the whole shell. Usually when you get clusters, right. you know what I'm saying? It's a You'll lot. open this big, gigantic oyster and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm about, and the oyster's this big and the shell's this big. You're like, what the? Yeah, I guess he had to hold on for, in yeah. real life, he so had he to hold on. He just moved into he, an apartment. Yeah, here he's just, you know, kind of traveling around light. He's just carry-on. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. It's growing meat versus shell. I yeah. mean, it's that simple. And what, what causes it to do, What is there a reason why some of them are smaller in these big, gigantic shells compared to what y'all are doing you 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 have an oyster that fits the shell that he lives in. I think it's a survivability issue. You know, they they're sitting on the ground. These oysters are sitting on the ground that are grown naturally. Right. And they're having to defend off oyster drills, crabs, yeah, all, all the- kind of predators out there. So they have to grow this thick armor in order to survive. And I don't think the survivability as a general rule is very good in the wild. Right. Um so they have to grow a lot of shell, a lot of armor. Just to stay alive. Yeah. And uh, and then regulations say that, hey, it's got to be so long, it's got to be so big before you can harvest. And typically in wild-caught oysters, they have a season. So when the season opens, say it opens November 1, and it closes you know, in December sometime. There'll be 100 boats in you, one spot. You've got to harvest oysters. You don't care what the salinity is doing, how right. salty the oyster is or whatever. You're just trying to go make the money, trying to you know get the oysters in the boat, get them to the market. And uh, here, what we're doing is we can harvest year round, so we can choose not to harvest when it's when the salinity's low, like when it's less than fifteen parts per thousand. We don't harvest, yeah. you know, unless somebody says, "Hey, Mark, all I'm gonna do is fry these things, or all I'm gonna do is grill them." Well, I'll add the salt. It, you know, I tell them, "Okay, well, I'll harvest for you, but if you want to eat any of these things raw, right. man, yeah. I'm not gonna harvest these things. They're just not taste." What is your, um? What is your limit? I mean, where do you where do you peg the gauge of salinity? And for people who don't who are listening and don't understand, that's how salty the water is. What yep. is your parts uh, per thousand? Per thousand. So it's fifteen parts per thousand is a good general rule of thumb. I've harvested some ten and eleven before, and they're okay, you know. But when they get fifteen, they're right. And okay. right now, over the past probably three weeks, it's been twenty seven parts per thousand. So these things are like taking a shot. Of salt. What's the highest you, you ever? I've only seen right 30 before, and I seen it 30 last year. It's around this time frame, and it all depends on how much rain we get, how right. much fresh water. We ain't had rain in a while. We yeah. haven't, and I think that's probably the only thing that's been good out of not having any rain is it keeps the salinity high, and it keeps the oysters fantastic. Mm-hmm. What and, um it, does it ever get too high? Man, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, (laughs) like I always add salt to mine anyway. Yeah, you might have to have a little more fluids. Yeah, like when you eat these things, maybe a little dehydrated. (laughs) That's right. But other than that, you know, I don't think they be too salty because in Florida they grow them in a high salinity environment all the time. 
So, uh, so, and there, it probably can be too high, right? You know, but I don't know what that limit and, is, and, and I don't think we have to worry about that, in Mississippi. I always was a fan of the um, uh, Apalachicola oysters, yes, yes, little brown ones. I always saw, and yours reminded me of them. They just didn't have the same shell color, but their oyster farm is getting hit from all that fresh water and red tide. They're they're taking a, a, a pounding over there. They are. They are. You know, that used to be the oyster capital of the world is what I grew up hearing. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the oysters were fantastic, but they went through the same issues that we had in Mississippi and, and a lot of states in the Gulf experiences over harvesting. Yeah. And uh, so now they had to go to the off-bottom aquaculture as well. And uh, but they're getting hit pretty hard. They got hit with the red tide and different things, hurricanes, so, hurricanes. Yeah. You know, so that's elements that we have to deal with. So we run the risk every year of losing everything we got. Yep. You know, and it's like, well, we sink the cages. Well, does maybe. that work? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe not. You know, so we we've tried a couple different methods. Last year we tried. I guess it was maybe Ida or something like that. And I said, from the country boy that i am i said you know what i'm gonna put i'm gonna sink half of these things i'm gonna sink like put them in the middle middle water column and i'm gonna say you know that's that's not towing on the anchors too hard it'll it'll be just right you know but i was dead wrong when i yeah, did that because yeah. what that did that suspended them in the middle water column but it twisted them yeah and they kept on twisting and twisting uh, until yeah. it yeah. broke my main line which is a five eight inch rope so it broke the main line and then what happens all my cages go in a big cluster and the cages start beating on each other. Yeah, when they start beating each yeah. on each other, they're made out of wire mesh. Oh yeah, they know? just so, come apart. So they come apart. You know what I mean? And and these cages are costing about three hundred bucks a piece just for the cages right now. Wow. So we mended everything back that we could together. Is it? It's crab trap wire, right? Same. No, thing? it's it's it's, a, it's more like a cattle panel wire that's that's wax that's not wax coated rubber coated rubber coated yeah. Uh, but it's not thick as cattle panel either. Mm. Uh, I guess a crab trap would be too big. They would just yeah, crab fall trap, out of it. Yeah, yeah crab trap, the, the wire's really thin. It's really pliable. But oyster cages are not pliable. So, you know, it's a thicker gauge steel that they use. So um, we're learning. Every farmer out there will tell you that we're, we're doing the best we can every year. Right. And to, with the hopes that we don't get hit with a big storm. You know what I mean? There, there's lots of methods out there. Hey, I'm going to take everything to the hill. Well, you know what kind of job that'd be to take everything to the hill and this thing only be a cat one or cat two? Then you got to bring it all oh, back. Oh, my goodness, man. Yep. You're talking about a lot of work. And, and uh, you know, there's only about seven or eight real farmers or people that are trying to farm out there. Everybody's a real farmer. Right. Don't get me wrong. But everybody, you know, the, there's seven or eight of us that have more than 100,000 oysters. Really? Most, most, there's probably another 15 folks or farmers out there that have 20, 30,000 oysters. So they're called hobby farmers, which a hobby farm is a super cool thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, super cool. And you don't have a lot of money invested and it's not a lot of work. Um, but there, like I said, there's only six or seven of us out there that are actually have more than 100,000. And, uh, and it's because Mississippi, we're the only state that is trying to grow oysters directly that has a direct impact from the storm most of these other states are growing them in bayous they're growing them in uh they have some kind of land protection yeah. but in mississippi due to where what our waterways look like we just don't have a lot of area to put these things no uh we don't have you bayous. Can think about maybe like 
Yeah, Fort Bayou maybe, maybe the Pasco River, but there's so much boat traffic in there, yeah. you have to shut everything yeah. down. Yep. Maybe Graveline, but yeah. Graveline is such a big fishing hot spot. Right, it, right. You know, it shut down all the fishing because everybody right. couldn't get in and out. You know, right. so we're just our our uh, land mass just, just that's the best place for us right now. I was going to ask that <clears throat> how much uh, how many farmers were out there? What was the number you said again? That are over a hundred thousand? I think six or seven. Of us. Okay, and then another fifteen ish that are below that. That's exactly right. And I think there's been three or four classes, and these classes range anywhere. Probably started out at thirty people. Okay, and then uh, I think this last class they ended up doing nine folks. So there's not not a ton of people, and a lot of people think of it. You know, that's going to be a cool thing. I'm going well, go to go out there. That's what I thought. I'm going to go there and I'm going to do it, and then they realize, holy mackerel, man! Well, I thought work. I was going to go sit through this class and plant some oysters and come back in two weeks and uh, check them. You got to go out there the first month and pretty much slip them every other day, right? Because you put put them on one side. Flip them on the other side. Yeah, it's, so it's, so it's that's called much desiccation. So there, there's a couple uh, theories behind that. So when you desiccate these things, basically what you have, you have a, a five by three cage that these bags fit in. So and it has pontoons on the top or on the bottom, ever how you want right. to look at it. Yeah. So and this you, is on the south side of Deer Island. If you don't know yeah. that, go on the south side of Deer Island. And I almost ran over them the first time because I didn't know they were there. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, what the crap yeah. is all that? Oh, that's the oyster stuff. Go check it out. Yeah. yeah. Check yeah, it out and see, see what we're doing. You know what I mean? Um, there's several different methods you can always, you can grow. Like I have two methods to grow on my farm. I have a single bag, which has two small bullet floats is what they call it on them. So if it's a single bag, put about 200 oysters in it. So I can lean over my boat, grab a single bag, throw it in a boat. And, uh, or I can grow with a six pack. And it, from a... Uh, I guess growing quantity of oysters, six packs way to go. Yeah, yeah. These little single bags, it's nice if you're going to be a hobby farmer. I get it. Um, and uh, but for these, if you want to grow a quantity of oysters, you need to do a six pack. Or they make four packs, they make two packs. And that's so, just, I'm guessing, multiple floats in a row, or what is that? No, so cages in a row. Yeah, so it's it's cages in a row. And when I say a six pack, I mean it's got six slots for bags to fit in with oysters. Okay, so and you're raising six bags at a time, pretty six much. Six bags at a time in one cage. Or, like I said, I, on my other line, I've got single bags. So I just snap these single bags off the line. Um, that brings up another subject. You know, we've been very lucky so far that we've not had a whole lot of oyster pirating go on. You know, when I say oyster pirating, I mean people stealing oysters out of our cages. These cages are not locked. It's like a crab trap. They're not locked. No, they're locked. They're locked. <laughs> they're locked. Everybody, they're locked. No, wait, no, wait, no they're wait. absolutely locked. But yeah. but but here here's the deal, guys. Y'all go out there. That's I mean, you're messing, you're messing with somebody's livelihood. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And like you said, time and work that they put into yeah. it. Right. 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 It's it's just, don't even make I sense. bet it, you know one thing. I would I would assume too. It's it's probably for somebody who's not doing it and into it like you are. It's a it would be intimidating. Yeah, just because well, you wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah, when you how am I getting up? this up? It ain't just like a crab trap where you just pick it up. And everybody's familiar yeah. with them. And you know how sure. to get them out. And then you, you know? pull up a, a bag full of these little bits, <laughs> little bags, yeah. little samples. Yeah, yeah, like, like, what am I supposed to do with and, this? And, and you're doing it at right night in your neck deep water. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, I'm getting yeah. tired of getting all these little babies out of here. Yeah. You know? I ain't got any honey yet. But uh, you know, so it's one of those things, man. We're, we're thankful that nobody, uh, for the most part, has been ravaging these things or trying to steal. Because yeah. it's, it's a steal, and for what I understand, one oyster theft is a felony. So you know, really? so it's a big Good deal. Lord. I'd wow. have to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure it's a felony. You know, just because, buy it. Yeah, yeah, just buy it's it. It's way I, cheaper to get. It, it is, man. Yeah. And, and you're messing with somebody that has put a lot of time and effort and love into growing these things. 
man. It's not, and most people out there, they're not doing it as a primary source of income. They're doing it because they love it. Yeah. You know, and when you love something, it makes it takes all the work out of it. Yeah, you know, I'm typically sore on Saturdays when I work them on Fridays, but I'm smiling. You can ask my wife. I'm smiling the whole time I'm talking salt. about oysters. I'm full of salt, man. Yeah. It's like, oh man, this is good. What's the uh what, is there friendly competition out there? You know, like who's got the best uh flavor, <laughs> best yeah. size, the best looking oyster is there a best spot do you get to pick your spot out there you do get to pick the spot so they you lease bottom land from the secretary of state okay and uh you get to choose your two acres that you want to lease or you can lease an acre you know it's about 84 bucks an acre so it's not a lot of money okay um and you get to pick your spot and different different depths in every little square acre that you'd look at uh but it's really we're all growing about the same type of we're all growing the same oyster right you know uh it's kind of like a row of tomatoes, man. You go out there and you hoe your row every day and you fertilize it just right and you water it. And I go out there and I don't do nothing. I spray a little Roundup and, and uh, just right. knock the weeds out. My and tomatoes you, suck. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> but, you know, yours are going to look better than mine. You yeah. know? But I'm okay with that. You're so, the more time you spend out there, the better oyster that you're going to produce. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, when you say time, it, I, I, I'm, what I'm reading into it, it's almost like a, a kid. When they're younger – you got to spend way more time to them, and then when they get older, you can kind of step back and say, "Okay, y'all could stay at the house by yourself. Just <laughs> so, don't leave the house." Self-sufficient. That's a right? good analogy, man. Yeah. Good analogy because that's a lot of truth there. So when these things are small, they're in a very small mesh bag. Typically, the mesh, the smallest mesh bag I have is a two millimeter mesh bag. So that's a re- that's that's a little bit larger mesh than a screen that's on your window. So these things, algae grows on there barnacles grow on there all kind of funk gets caught up in there and if you don't have open screens these things can't get fresh water to breathe and filter so they're not and they'll die yeah you know so when there's tiny like that you do have to go out there every week scrub them down with a brush change the bag uh you gotta you gotta it's called husbandry there we go. So you got to be a good. So you're husband. raising a kid. You're raising a kid, man. Yeah, That's what you're doing. Fifteen thousand of them. And when they become a teenager, at that point, you can back off just a little bit, but yeah. you still got to look over right. them, right? That's right. I got some teenagers. Yeah. I know yeah, how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I got a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's a lot of truth to that. And when they get to become almost mature, at that point, you're kind of they're in a big mesh bag. I typically put them in an 18 millimeter mesh bag, which is almost it has holes in it about as big as a dime. Okay. So they they don't get clogged typically. You know, there's a time that there's a barnacle spawn. Uh, different times of the year, the barnacle spawn. So you yeah. got to make sure you blow those off of the pressure washer, or you scrape them off, or you can just change the bag. Yeah. You know, whatever the case is. So what's the uh, what's the what's the what's it like? Because you mentioned this earlier, you like the pedaling part of it as much as you like the, the, the farming part of it. I want to hear some about that. So once oysters have been grown to the appropriate size, uh, and I'm assuming you, you size them right before you before. Do you size them before you before you harvest them? I thought I think I'm trying to remember things from the last one that we did. Yeah. Uh, so so when do you pull yours? Time? Yeah. When do you pull yours? And so, we mentioned salinity. I know that's a part of it. Yep. So salinity is part of it. Size is an important part of it. Uh, they used to go off the rule three, two, one, three inches long, two inches wide, and one inch deep, and that's pretty much a good solid oyster in, in that shell. Okay, but I've gotten to where since I've been doing it on year three now, I can look at the oyster. I've got some that look like a golf ball, 
I mean, they're that round. So I know when you pop this sucker open, it's going to have a big hunk of meat in it. And it doesn't any, get anywhere close to three inches long or two inches wide. It's a big it's, right. gumball. It's a big gumball, man. Yeah. It's a giant gumball. And it's like, I wish I could figure out how to grow that because that's a cool thing. I call it my golf balls. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, so it really doesn't. I don't go off a three inches, three, two, one. Rule. So you just go off seeing multiple oysters. If it's got a deep cup, which is the depth of the oyster, uh, if it's got a deep cup, man, I know what the meat looks like in it, and I'll harvest that sucker. Now, I can tell you, as it gets cold, when it gets bitter cold out there, I tell people that go out with me from time to time, I say, these oysters grow when it's cold like that. They grow big time. So that means it's freezing me to death, and if it's close, it's harvested. Oh, I got you. I got you. I was trying, <laughs> really I was trying to put the science behind it. Like, wait I'm about to say, because they've been growing this week pretty good. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. they He's really like, no, don't That's a good faster. enough one. Throw it in. We're yeah. getting out of here. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. If you like it, I love it type thing. You know what I mean? So when it's freezing cold. Yeah. And, and I'm not a third-generation you know, salty guy, so I'm kind of the first generation that's salty. So I'm having to learn a lot of this stuff as I go. Okay. And, and uh, but everybody out there, there's plenty of market for every farmer out there. So nobody's really competing at, right. at all. Right. You know, there's no, hey, your your oyster's prettier than mine. Well, you might have spent a little more time with yours. And what market are you trying to appeal to? Yeah. You know, I want to feed the people that live in the area. And that's why I'm selling it to local folks and not restaurants and at this point and not sending them up the East Coast. Yeah, I could go after the money and I could send them up the East Coast and probably get $1. fifty a piece for these things. But look, I love the peddling part, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Because here's the deal. They start off with a text. I have to I have to tell oh, them. I didn't peddle anything. You just told me a price and I paid it. I didn't know there was peddling yeah, involved. Yeah, you could have well you could have negotiated the price. Yeah, man. Well, I don't know about the price. Right. How about twenty dollars? <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things I get to I get to meet people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing getting out of the corporate world that I missed. You know, when I see somebody at the grocery store, I want to give them twenty minutes. If they want to talk, I want to talk to them for twenty minutes. And that's one thing that I've been able to capture over the past year and a half of getting out of the corporate world is if, if I see Joey or you guys in the store and we want to talk for a few minutes, let's talk. Let's not yeah. look at a watch and be in a hurry yeah, all the time. Nowhere, nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, nowhere to go. And and that forces a lot of my friends and I to meet up on Friday because they bought oysters. I'll talk to them for 15, 20 minutes or whatever the case is, and they go on. Our paths are forced to cross. Right. That's awesome. And, uh, and that's a cool thing. I love that part. Of it, Absolutely. You know? And there's people from all walks of life that love oysters. Oh, man. How far are you, how far are you getting clients? So I tell you what, so last Friday I had a guy from Pensacola that he was over here as selling something to a plumbing supply house and a buddy of mine recommended uh, to him that I sell oysters. He stayed an extra night in Ocean Springs to just about oysters for me on Friday. So well, I that saw, was a pretty good deal for him. He got to stay extra yeah, night in Springs right. and hang out yeah. and eat and, you know, and get oysters. That's right. Yeah. So I sent him home with some great salty oysters. He was tickled to death. He said he comes over here on a regular basis. So that's probably as far reach as I've been. That's most pretty my, good, though. Yeah, yeah, most of my clients are in the state. You know, they're most, a lot of them are in Harrison and Hancock and Jackson County by, by design. Yeah. You know, some in George County as well. Yeah. How how large did you say earlier that the uh, – is it 800? Uh, how large is the farm area? So it's 800 acres. That's what I thought you is said. It's the aquaculture park. And in, in, in what is – how much of the demand that's out there can that 800 acres 
supply. N- nowhere near all of what the demand is. I right? don't it's think not even so. close, right? Not even I would close. I wouldn't think. Yeah. Not That's because close. you got them in all different stages. You're not gonna harvest eight. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just wouldn't think that 800 acres would be enough compared to what we used to have, right? Like when you talk about the natural stuff, yeah. right? So, so here's a good analogy here is uh, on each acre doing off-bottom aquaculture, you can raise up to 2 million oysters. Oh, no, that's a lot. On one Seems acre. Like. Seems like. Now, that's a tight farm. That's running very efficiently. Uh, so... Do the math on that. That so, is a lot of oysters. That's a lot of but oysters. You're going to have loss, like like we mentioned yeah, earlier. They're not all right. going to survive. I, I would assume. I don't know if that's built into that number or not. But the the reason I was asking all that was to say, is there plans to expand any of that as far as size goes, or is it everybody's comfortable with that 800 acres now? Right now, I, I I'd be willing just to guess. I bet you there's not 25 acres at least. Oh, out of wow. eight. So there's that okay. much out there. Yeah. All right. I'm glad so, we got to that. So I have yeah. 200. I have two to three hundred oysters thousand oysters out at my farm on a regular basis and i don't have a two acres okay yeah i thought when i first got into this man i, I was ordered you know seven hundred thousand seed and <laughs> i'm gonna get 10 acres you thought you was gonna be the walmart yeah. Yeah, I, that's what i thought man you know it's like i'm going in deep on yeah. this one yeah. but uh, that's not the case at all it, it's just you gotta too much work it's too much work and yeah. it's too much work and and it's uncontrollable on how often they die and what causes them to die um, so I, I would be willing to guess that I have a 30 to a 40% dead loss ratio, but here's the deal. You buy these things at about a penny a piece. So I can afford to buy double what I expect to harvest right. and I'm okay with that. And yeah. if they survive, Hey, great. Where, where, I mean, I guess that's every farm. I mean, you, you're going to buy way more than what you're going to harvest for sure. If, yeah. If you can, but there's always going to be lost. No matter yes, what you're no doing, doubt. but where, where's your supplier? Where does, where do they come from? It's DMR, right? Well, no. Used to be? No. So so Auburn, from what I understand, Auburn University is the biggest, I guess, uh, hatchery out there. Auburn. Auburn. So what they do is- I they, don't know how much fresh water, I mean, salt water is in Auburn, but- <laughs> I don't even, It's artificial <laughs> salt water, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so what they do is they sell these big-eyed larvae. They breed the oysters. They sell these big-eyed larvae. And I think the last number I seen, you can get a million big-eyed larvae for a thousand bucks. Wow. So then you got to bring them home. Hope they make. You got to pick them up. You got to pick them up. Damn, Amazon won't deliver them. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> right? Put I'm them in a box and sit them down. I'm there. sure they yeah, would, on, but, the, but the survive dead loss might be horrendous. Yeah. yeah. So you get them to your your nursery as fast as you can. You have to attach them to some cults material, which is it's not sand, but it's smaller than a grain of sand. It's like a clay material, and once it attaches that big eyed larvae to that piece of granular material at that point you keep it going in a circular uh bath almost where they don't grow into a cluster you know they stay single you want the singles they stay single. everybody wants single oysters that's right and then they put them in this bottle nursery which is basically a giant two liter bottle that has water filtrate through it and then they start filtering and at that point they just grow to whatever our size that they can sell so yeah. there's a couple different nurseries down here on the coast uh magnolia point uh, has a nursery, um, Gulf Coast Research Lab. They have a nursery. Yeah, they yeah. sell seed as well. Um, so there's a couple different places that you can get uh, seed from. But a lot of times, man, you know, they're going to the highest bidder. You know, they, they're sending a million seed out to Texas. They're sending a million seed out here. Sounds like yeah. we need to open it. Well, it sounds like Brian Butler over at Ocean Springs and his horticultural uh <laughs> 
class needs to start uh, growing oysters. Man, it's you uh, know you know about his program over at Ocean Springs. Yes, I've heard a brief uh, horticulture program. About it. Yeah, that that sounds like if you could do this with all the schools yeah. and sell them out, that would be awesome. They're doing it at Moss Point, so they they that brings up a whole another topic. So we're looking into we're actively pursuing what they call wet storage. So wet storage it's a little bit complicated, but basically it's an aquarium. So I can take an oyster when the salinity's down to. 10 parts per thousand, like mm-hmm. we talked about. Mm-hmm. I can take that oyster, I can bring it to my aquarium, for lack of better uh, description. Right. And I can turn the salinity up to whatever I want to. If I want it to be 24 parts per thousand, I turn it 24 parts per thousand. I set my oysters in that and When you aquarium. say turn it up, you just add salt to the water? You add salt to the water. Right. Um, and then I put it in this big aquarium. And in 48 hours, guess what? My oyster's salty salt. Yeah. It's 24 parts per thousand. It's changed the salinity completely to that oyster it puts them in a dormant state they're they, all they're doing is breathing in a wet storage at that point is that different than the de- technique you described earlier where the i guess the people that have already harvested them add salt to them and then they just end up swelling up with water and they're not yep so that, that's, that's just completely that's different. totally different yeah. so so the meat is already grown in our oyster okay. at you, that point. All they're you just doing, salt it up. Uh, we're just salting it up. Okay. They're just putting a little bit of salt in there, gotcha. so it's breathing. It's not filtering anymore. At that point, it's just breathing. Okay. Yeah, because the the temperature's way down, so they're in a dormant state. You basically put UV lights in there, so it kills every kind of nutrient that's in there. So it's not feeding. It's all, just straight, just taking salt water that's in all and putting it out. That's all it's doing. Just straight. Salt water that's in and out. I love when science is cool like that. You well, know what I mean? And, tell and me that. That's right. There's always been the, 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 I guess, old man's tale or my grandpa told me about fog and oysters. You know that? The which one now? The fog and oysters, how you can't um, can't shuck oysters on a foggy day because they close down because there's water in the atmosphere. Have you ever heard that? I've never heard that one, so tell me a little bit more about that. What, I, what I've heard <laughs> is, is you can't shuck oysters on a, uh, you know, when they come out of the Water, they kind of open up a little bit. The oysters yeah. kind of open up yeah. a little bit. So when it's fog, they think they're still in the water. So they shut down, lock down tight. But that's why you can't shuck oysters Sounds on a plausible. foggy day because Sounds they plausible. think they're still in the water. Makes sense. Makes sense. I've heard the R in the the months that have yeah, R in shuck it. Yeah, oyster. Yeah, when you get R, yeah. Yeah, and all that has to do is they go through a reproduction cycle during the summer. So they start reproducing during the summer. The diploids do. And uh, basically, they turn to a jelly, just a clear jelly, because all their energy goes to reproduction. Uh, and uh, that's why you can't do it. I also heard yeah. it had to do with the days before there was refrigeration, too. You didn't want to yeah. ship them in those months as well, because it was hotter. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, from my understanding is all oysters have Vibrio, which is the bacteria that's dangerous to everybody. Right. It's just... A, Low can, amounts. That's right. Can you get it into a re- mechanical refrigeration before that Vibrio becomes active? Right. right, okay. And that's the game. In the summer, we only have like an hour and a half to get them from farm to mechanical refrigeration. Wow. So I stopped harvesting early May, and I don't pick up harvesting to September because guess what? I sell oysters to people I know. Yeah. I peddle oysters <laughs> to people I know. And yeah. the you last thing I want to do is get somebody sick. Yeah, and that's, what, that's, that's hepatitis, I'm guessing. You're going off a raw oyster, right? I, well, or Vibrio, like you, like you mentioned, yeah, too, right? What is it's, the main thing to get off of them? It's Vibrio. Is it yeah. Vibrio? It, it's the Vibrio is the bacteria, and that's all I can talk to that. Yeah. I don't know about the hepatitis and different things. Right. But, uh, but we make sure all of our oysters are go from farm to mechanical refrigeration. We have different times. Every month of the year, 
we're, we only have a, we have a different time frame. I was going to ask that. What that we it? have to get to mechanical refrigeration in this amount of time. Now, December, November, December rolls around. We have 15, 16, up to 18 hours from time oh, yeah. to time. Well, it's yeah. cold outside. Yeah, because yeah. it's cold outside, you know, and these things just kind of shut down, basically. They they clamp down. They keep all the fluids inside of them. And, um, Are they harder to o- open in those months, do you think? You know, I've kind of become uh, immune. immune to that. Yeah, I have because once you figure out, I got these New Hampshire style knives, and basically, instead of the straight bladed knives, the sharp ones that'll go into your hands. Yeah, I've discovered this New Hampshire style, and I don't think it's anything new. Right, clam knife, the same one I got. I think is it got a blunt end? It's got a blunt. Well, it's got a little point at the end, but the tip goes up. So okay. basically, when you press this thing down, you get it in the hinge. It's like all a, these a lever action. Yeah. It, it yeah. is. It yeah. is. So on these farm-raised oysters, easier to go through the hinge than the, what I call the beak. That's what I do. I always go through the hinge. I think it's, it's safer and easier. It is. So basically, instead of having to go all the way down with your knife, you don't have to go but halfway down because you got that point that's already Hinged pivoting up. up. It's hinging it up. So um, that's the oyster knife that I sell and. You know, it's one of those things, man. I buy them for fifteen bucks. I sell them for twenty because you, Joey comes and buys oysters from me. He's like, I, don't I was like, really. do you have a knife? And he's like, well, I got one, but I don't really know where it's at. <laughs> I got a hammer. Yeah. I got two hammers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've heard screwdrivers and hammers yeah, and all yeah, kind of yeah. stuff, and it works. That works too. But I, I, I've always used a blunt knife. I've always been scared of, you know, the pointed sharp knives because yep. I've seen too many people just. Run it straight to their palm, and that's that's a bad bad situation. And look, it takes about yeah. two or three weeks for that to heal. Yeah, if it doesn't get infected. Yeah, because I've done it multiple times myself. Now I wear a glove on the left hand. Absolutely. And uh, I use a special knife, and it works great for me. Well, I, I even went to an oyster bench, and those are money. They're like ten bucks. You get a two by six, a treated two by six, and you just cut a little bench and put a little thing. You put the oyster right there, and then you just hold it on top and go through. So really? if the knife goes through, it hits the wood. 10 bucks and it's easy to do being wow. smart man that's makes yeah. life easier but it, it makes is. your butt hurt because it hurts you gotta sit on it all night long <laughs> oh, okay. especially when you got a freaking shuck a whole um a whole burlap sack of oysters for everybody else who doesn't shuck anything like my wife <laughs> there, you go, there you go and there's all kind of different mechanisms now they've got things that have a point on them you put the mm-hmm. oyster down there and you crack them and it pops the seal so there's all kind of different people getting fancy. They getting yeah. fancy. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think it's cool. You know, it's just people being innovative. So, do you ever see a point where we go back to actually oysters on the bottom here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast? Man, I hope that's the case. I mean, because all it does is make our whole ecology on the Gulf Coast better. Yeah, you know, yeah. it makes our fisheries better. What, makes our water quality better. We, we got it. We need to get somebody in here from the research lab or whatever. We'll DMR, it, yeah. and, and to explain to us like the science behind, like you said, how many gallons per per fifty two, fifty five per oyster? Fifty five gallons. Fifty five gallons per oyster per day. Okay, and then you add up how many we've lost. Right, and even though y'all are out there, you said you're you're using 24 acres out of a total of 800. I mean, we there's there's something's missing, like by a lot, right? And so, how is this water being filtered? What what is what has uh, stepped up in its place, if anything? If anything, you know, like nothing. The menhaden out there, they're filter feeders. So there's there's several different uh, fish that are out there that are filter feeders, right? uh, but, you know, when you take that much out of our whole water, our Gulf, our Mississippi it's Sound, mud on it's yeah. got to make a difference. Yeah. Well, man. I mean, everybody, all these old-timers, and I, I say old-timers, my grandpa and all that stuff, y'all don't imagine what the fish was back in the day. Well, yeah, y'all was fishing on 
thousand foot oyster shell beds before y'all dug them all up. Yeah. Of course there was more because yeah. they all seen have the photos. Yeah. We know what it looked like. I mean, they all have shrimp. They all have fish. Yeah. They all have all these things on the oyster bed. And that, they destroyed that fish it. like. And, and then all of a sudden they're gone. Well, they, I, yeah. in their defense, I don't think they knew the science behind they it. They, so they were just like, hey, if I'm going to live off the land, I'm going to harvest every day. We're going to eat like kings. But now we're kind of paying the consequences well, of they were trying to survive i was yeah they, they were just trying, yeah, they were trying to survive yeah, yeah, yeah. and then all yeah. of a sudden they can make money off of it and then technology gets better and you can and, like industry gets involved right it's just like what capitalism does it starts to yeah. work but then until you pump the brakes on the environmental side of it you can destroy uh, a ecosystem and, and hopefully we haven't done that i don't think we have we definitely put a, a major dent in it but it is good to see t- the turning of the tide <laughs> That was a good reference. Right? Good uh, a good you know, to, to y'all doing it like like yeah. you're saying, like sure. uh, artificially, right? Sure. I think we have a healthy fishery as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think we do, regardless of how many people balk about snapper. I mean, that's a big topic mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. But we have one of the better fisheries in our in the Gulf of Mexico, mm-hmm. right here in our backyard. Yeah. You know, and I always thought that the brown water just meant it was crap water. That's not the case. No, nope. it's it's all the nutrients coming out of the rivers, and that's why we have one of the best oyster fisheries around. That's why we have some of the best speckled trout, some of the best redfish uh, in the Gulf. Is yeah. for that reason, you know, second to Louisiana. Louisiana, yeah. Louisiana has just a big estuary. Sure. You know, but I mean, that's where it starts. Texas, that's where Louisiana. everything you're yeah. talking about. That's where it starts. Yeah. You know? it, it does. It uh, does. So. You know, and I love to catch a cooler full of whatever, just like anybody else. But right. I mean, how many can I eat? Correct. How many can yeah, our family and friends right. eat? And, yeah. and I've, we've gotten away with that, especially from all the uh, guys that we've had on the show. We all want to just fill our freezers up with fish. But I mean, how much fish do you eat in a year? You know right. what I'm saying? It's like right. that fish is going to sit there for two or three years and be ruined by the time you do it. So go out once a month, catch four or five, have your fish fry and be good with it. I yep. think our generation is kind of realizing that. That it's not a cool thing to have a fish, a freezer full of fish. Yeah, because right. you don't yeah. eat it. Because you don't eat it. Yeah, right. it just sits yeah. there in a plastic bag. Look, and- if you're going to have a fish fry, start two weeks from now, and let's go catch what we're going to eat, and let's uh, let's That's eat it. them all up. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's fresh. It, is, it tastes better. It is. and it, But it's nice to have a frozen bag from time to time. I get Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. But, but you don't uh, eat 18, no, 20. No, man, yeah. you don't. Right. You don't. And, and, oh, well, I give them away. Well, let those guys invite those guys fishing next yeah, time. Let them catch yeah. it. Let them catch it fresh right. and notice the difference. You know, That's after it. it's hadn't been frozen or hadn't been in water or whatever cases. So, you know, it's a big difference. I love it. I got one more. Go um, the rental part of the equipment. Can you go over that of what you got from the beginning to what you have to purchase now? Yeah. So the DMR, like I said, they gave us uh, seventy five hundred oysters to start with. We got hit with Ida. So it destroyed, it ripped up all kind of anchors and different things. So they redoled out everything to us. And uh, so let's just say we raised 10,000 oysters per student in the program. Okay. And they give you all the cages or they lend you all the cages, yes. all the gear, all the bags, all the instructions that you need uh, for that year cycle. And then at that point you say, okay, I want to be a farmer. And then you go leave, you have to get like, a bunch of permits, which is crazy, and it doesn't register in my mind because it's always a permits due somewhere down the right, line. Right, right. But uh, then you nickel and dime, you nickel and dime, and then you lease your acreage. Then you're like, okay, how much extra money do I have? So I got to have a boat that I can go out there and get scraped all up. That's not yep. a that's not a pretty boat. So that's going to cost you fifteen grand right. somewhere around there. Something with a good motor on. Something it, yeah. with a good motor. All you want to do is 
get from the harbor to your farm and back. Right. You don't really care what it looks like. It's got to right. have cover. Right. So you got to have cover on the a shades of some sort. Um, my boat is a 24-foot Carolina skiff that has – I got some friends of mine to build this big rack on top of it. I have a, a four-wheeler UTV winch on it. I hook it to these cages. I winch my cage up on the side of the boat, open the gate, pull these bags out, dump it on my table that I, that I made at the house, you know. And, so y'all uh, are like pioneers. Y'all are custom making all this stuff that that people in the yeah. future are going to use. That that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, I had some friends of mine that were home for the Christmas holidays last year. They're welders, very talented welders. And I was like, guy, they were looking for extra work. I was like, guys, I got something that I don't know a lot about welding. Yeah. But here's what the end product I want it to be. And man, they did a fantastic job. Fantastic yeah. job. And uh, and then I built the table. It's nothing special. You know, I got something to measure my oysters to start with. And then I, once I learned how to look at them, it was different cases. So, you know, then you got to buy the ropes, the anchors, you got to buy the cages, you got to buy the bags, and you really got to have that time that you're willing yeah, to de- dedicate once a week, at so least once a week. You're into it pretty, pretty heavily. Man, I'm going a, I'm to a guess. You know, I quit keeping track of it. It's kind of like deer hunting, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't want, want to know. know. You don't, you don't want, want to know. know. That's why yeah. I tell my, my right. wife's like, every time you take the cover off the boat, it's Five hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, it's only five hundred dollars this time, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. But the yeah, time we spend on yeah. it's priceless, right? That's yes. That's so I'm gonna guess that I probably got thirty grand in equipment right yeah. out of the gate. And um, but once you do that, then all you gotta do is change your gear out every five years, or as it deteriorates, as the salt eats it up. Uh, the boat, you know, I had to order, I had to buy a membership at CETO. Yep. Uh, because, I, look, let me tell you a little quick little story. Uh, <laughs> real quick. Yeah. So I was out there by myself. Typically, I go by myself. Sometimes my boys go with me. Sometimes my wife does. Uh, but And sometimes friends do, you know. But this day, I just have to be by myself. I get on the other side of Deer Island, about four miles uh, away from the uh, boat launch, and the boat motor just dies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the world's going on? Long story short, I'm like, it can't be that deep. So I had a flat pointed shovel so i start paddling mm. i'm like this ain't gonna work no. so i jumped that out. anchor throw it out. <laughs> well, i yeah. jumped out i called a couple friends they were you know off the beaten path they couldn't come scoop me up so i uh, started walking this thing in i walked it to Holy deer island moly. then i walked it down that rock jetty till i found the first gap and then once i go through the gap you can't touch the bottom so i'm, no, I'm you're swimming i'm swimming and i'm towing this boat Eventually, I make it all the way around, and the guy that owns uh, Mike Moore that owns uh, the Shrimp Tour boat, he saw me. He's like, hey, man, you need some help? I'm like, yeah, I need help like two hours ago, buddy. Yeah, I've been yeah. some help. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And he said, I tell you what, hook to, hook to this big boat. He said, I'm going to tow you. You got to go on the Shrimp Tour with me. He said, but the good news <laughs> is I'm not going to charge you for the Shrimp Tour. Yeah. I said, fantastic. There you go. That's a I want to come on it anyway. <laughs> That's right. yeah, so we up. get almost back to the harbor, and I'm working on the motor the whole time it cranks up. Oh, anyway, so I bought a membership to CETO. Won't ever have that guy, problem again. Probably won't ever have that problem again. Well, but I mean, you, you won't have to jump out. Yeah, but yeah, I got yeah, the yeah, peace yeah. of mind. And uh, it was, like I said, it's only 200 bucks, and uh, I'm right there, you know. Yep. So that's a that was a peace of mind for me. Like so it. especially when I'm out there by myself. So CETO is definitely a wonderful thing for certain circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what, uh, where, where are we sending people? What's the best way they've heard the podcast? They've been watching this or whatever, and they want to reach out and get some of the product and taste it for themselves. So you mentioned having trouble getting the <laughs> Facebook page set up, but how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So one of the things guys, since I actually had a quantity of oysters that I could sell for multiple months this year, I'm going to try to sell them over the next six to eight months. 
Uh, first week I harvested 2,000, sold them in three and a half days, based solely yeah. based on Facebook. And I did it by myself on a Friday, and I didn't get done until about 8.30 that night. And I said, I am not doing this yeah. anymore. I got to have a limit. So the next four weeks, I've harvested about 1,000 a week, and that's doable. I'm finished by 4.30 in the afternoon. They're clean, delivered, ready to go. So you can either look up uh, – you can either call my cell phone number at 228-218-4562. There you go. Or you can look up online. We had to put our Facebook page. Instead of Two Crackers Oyster Company, kept on getting rejected. So we had to put it under Mark Space Anna, A-N-N-A, Havard. Uh, and you can look us up and, and we're open to the public. You know, we're, we're not Facebookers. We're not on there every day yeah. showing you what we got to eat last night yeah. or where we're going to the grocery store and all that garbage. It's just so if, if, you, if you need to get an order, text is better than Facebook. I would assume. Yeah. Text is better than Facebook. If you can let me know before Friday, cause pretty much, you know, once I get my thousand for that week, yeah. I'm done. You yeah. know, I tell everybody, Hey, look, I would love to get you an extra hundred, but I can't, I'll get you next week. Yeah. So, but just just send me a text two two eight two one eight four five six two, and like I said, I have had no trouble selling these things. They're like they go like hotcakes because I only harvest when they're good, and uh, and you'll be pleased. There we go. Once well, you get them. we got to get you get help with that Facebook page getting it going. On. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know if there's any way we can send a message to Mark or something, Zuckerberg, we'll get it up, and yeah. uh, let him know. But uh, we got to get you a Facebook. But, page. Uh, what, what do you see the uptick going into the holidays? Is this your first holiday? No, so last year I had a, a small amount, so definitely there's an uptick. You know, I was able to sell these things all the way up to until April, May of last year. Uh, just sell them like hotcakes. I can't grow them fast enough. Yeah. And if there's a young person out there that really wants to go into business, that uh, you know, the opportunities are there. The oyster business the opportunities are there. Yeah. If you're willing to take the risk, you know, the demand is there. I mean, and, and none of these farmers, we're not cutting anybody's throat. Most of the folks out there are selling for a dollar a piece. I'm not that, I'm not there. I'm selling at 85 cents. I'm probably one of the cheaper folks out there. Yeah. And I, I called one of the local seafood um, wholesalers the other day because I went from 75 cents to 85 cents. And I said, hey, what are you guys getting for your single selects? And they said a dollar a piece. And I went, holy mackerel. And I, I didn't go that route, but there's a lot of folks that are selling for a dollar a piece. And at some point next year, I might be at a dollar a piece with inflation and all that stuff. Yeah, I might yeah, be yeah. Nice. cover your gas and all that stuff. And, and it's a lot of work. I get it. And I'm not, you know, running any P&Ls at this, stand, at this point in my game. But at some point, I might. And I might have to go up. And the market's just there. Yep. But if yeah. you want a quality product, uh, get it from one of these local farmers. You don't have to get it from me. But get it from one of these local farmers, man, because they've got love involved and a little bit of luck, and uh, turned it into a business. And sweet, and they taste really good. Yeah. And they taste really good. <laughs> you got some merch on too. Do y'all do y'all sell that merch? Man, we did. We last year we bought a hundred shirts, and uh, some friends of mine made these cups for us. I thought it was super cool. Awesome. You know, yeah. we're not selling these cups. They but, look good, but but he, I appreciate that. But he got them made for us, and I thought that was super cool. Uh, but these shirts, you know, at some point. You know, when we get this wet storage up and going, it's expensive. We might sell them some, some swag out there, and we will. Yeah. But right now, we just don't have any swag. I typically, you know, if I have a returning customer, I'll give them a shirt yeah, or, or a yeah, sticker yeah. or something like that. These stickers go on your cooler. They typically look like this. 
Uh, I got and, one. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, so put it on your cooler, you know, something like that. I don't expect you to put it on your bumper, your back window, but <laughs> but it's just a cool, it's a cool sticker, you know awesome, what I mean? Man. And uh, we're enjoying every yeah. minute of it, and I smile from. That's a, my favorite day of the week. I look forward to Fridays every week. And with and, the holidays coming up with all that oyster dressing yeah, and everything man, else, man, uh, you're gonna be a busy man. I am. I am. I, lo- I love hearing the story. I love you, dig it, man. That's always cool. That's kind of a theme on the show. We like talking to people that are in their niche and appreciate. Yeah what they do so much uh luck to you thank you for the gear thank you for the uh for the shirts we appreciate that thanks for stopping by and talking and telling us your story man and for sure i uh, hope everything works out great and just grow 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 right yep. literally right grow the oysters grow and grow the oysters, right? <laughs> that's exactly right yeah Very good. we're gonna I do appreciate a, you guys having me yeah we're absolutely. gonna do a uh a selfless plug y'all go check out uh what is this southern mississippi living magazine miss jennifer cox she does a great job and all her team yep. we're actually in it this month so for the boys episode so go check that out and go get some oysters man yep. two crackers oysters <laughs> love it and you'll you you'll be so you'll want more i can promise you that because <laughs> i want more already <laughs> all right well thank y'all for tuning in we'll see you on the next one later see you guys thanks Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. We really appreciate it. We're excited to announce that we just launched our very own Brownwater Banter app. That's right. It's free to download in the App Store or on Google Play. Whether you're an iPhone user or an Android user, it doesn't matter. It's free. Download it now. Stay connected with the Brownwater universe. Inside the app, we have links to the Tales and Scales login, the marine forecast from NOAA, tides and currents, radar, a list of all the bait shops here on the Gulf Coast, Everything you could need for a day out on the water, having fun. We've also got all the brown water social links right inside the app connections to our merch shop and if that wasn't enough we've also built inside of it a country radio station that's right so you can listen on the go i'm sure it'll evolve over time right now we're calling it Brownwater radio music for the outdoors so download it now check it out and we hope you dig it brown water banter